The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... Your meter's beeping, Mom. Something's wrong. <laughs> and he'll, he'll boot me. He'll lick me. He, like, really knows, like, something's up, and he gets me to get up. I mean, it's really hard not to wake up when you have a 65-pound dog licking your face. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. How is it going? What's happening? Welcome back to another episode of the Insulon Podcast with myself, Owen Costello. As always, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate you tuning in. And I know that proves to me, that proves to you, you're willing to invest this time into bettering your health, bettering your diabetes management, and ultimately bettering your energy, your mood, all these beautiful things that we want while living with type 1 diabetes. So my guest today is Sam Stocking, and she is from Illinois in America. Sam was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of four. And after a few unsettling incidents with low blood sugars, Sam then came to the conclusion that she really needed or wanted a diabetic alert dog after speaking with her endocrinologist. She got her diabetic alert dog in 2019, and his name's Corey. Corey, the canine on social media, I'm sure you've probably heard of him already. But since having Corey, Sam has become an alert dog trainer. She started her own business, and they've both turned into social media sensations, to say the least. And they have accumulated over 600,000 followers across their Instagram and their TikTok page. I was really looking forward to this episode, and I know you're really going to enjoy it too. So get stuck in. As I said to you, Sam, I am very excited to do this episode because I know essentially nothing about this side of the diabetic world, and it's something I'm very curious about. So I appreciate you coming on, and I'm delighted to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's super exciting. <laughs> so I suppose the first thing I want to get stuck into, Sam, is, and I suppose everybody else listening is probably wondering, but what <laughs> actually is a diabetic alert dog? 
Right. What is a diabetic alert dog? Um, so a diabetic alert dog is a dog that has been trained to smell um, high and low blood sugars. So dogs have an incredible sense of smell. Um, if you compare, you know, human smells, <laughs> human's ability to smell versus a dog's ability to smell, our nose picks up the size of roughly like a postage stamp and a dog's is the size of a piece of paper. So you can kind of compare <laughs> that their noses are just way better than ours. And when we have a higher low blood sugar, um, we release hormones and chemicals that we can't smell, but that the dogs can smell. So these dogs have been trained to detect those smells and then alert with a kind of task or whatnot. So you can kind of pick your alert. You know, I have Corey, Corey boops me, which is the famous internet video <laughs> that I'm sure people yeah. have seen. Um, and for highs, he'll spin in a circle, but a lot of people opt for, you know, like a, a paw on the leg or some other kind of more subtle alert for highs and lows. So what breed, just to try and paint the picture of Corey himself for anyone who hasn't seen videos just yet, what breed of dog is Corey and what does Corey look like? Um, Corey's a Labrador retriever. He is, a, they call it a yellow lab, but he's very more blonde, I would say. <laughs> um, and I don't know, he's about 65 pounds, so a bigger dog, but for a lab, he's actually on the smaller side. And he's got a, what they call a snow nose. So in the summer, his nose gets dark. And in the winter, it's actually pink. <laughs> oh, so right cool. now it's like a nice shade of pink. <laughs> so he changes with the seasons to a certain yeah. extent. He does. And was Corey already trained when you got him some? No. So I was living in Germany at the time. Um, and the way it works in Germany is that you work with a trainer and train your own service dog. So I spoke with my doctor. I had a few nights where my husband was um, almost not able to wake me up just because I had gone so low and he had to, you know, like shake me awake and force feed me juice. And um, I have a CGM, but we both sleep through the alarms. So it's kind of, you know, not, not the greatest to have uh, that kind of deep sleep at night when you have diabetes, but it is what it is. Um, so I spoke there with my doctor, you know, how do I get a diabetic alert dog? Because I'd heard about them and I actually had a friend in college who had one. Uh, one of my roommates had a diabetic alert dog and he gave me this trainer's information and I met with her and then I found a, a breeder who was happy to, you know, sell me Corey for this kind of work. And um, I worked with her and did most of the training myself. So we would meet like once, twice a month. She'd show me what to do. And then I would sort of do all of that. And then of course, COVID happened. So we stopped <laughs> meeting up uh, and she would just give me, you know, like a phone call here and there. And uh, I basically did all of the training myself. And yeah, that's how, how Corey came into my life. So you were basically training him from like a couple months after he was born. Yeah. So I actually met him when he was one week old oh, wow. <laughs> and we didn't even know which puppy we were going to get. It was kind of like a, the breeder really wanted to make sure she could evaluate all of them and pick the one that had the best, you know, tendencies to be a service dog. You know, they need to be very people oriented, definitely 
geared more towards like sniffing things and working with their nose and um, have a very calm personality because you don't want a dog that's really hyper that you take out in public that's, you know, going to jump on people and all of that. So um, after a couple weeks, we were going every week basically just to visit the puppies. And she said, actually, that's that one with the yellow collar, that's going to be your dog. And um, so I've been able to bond with him since he was just a week old. Yeah, that's so cool. So it, it's nice to know that you kind of trained him yourself rather than getting him pre-trained. Yeah. So how exactly was he trained? What did you do? Um, so a lot of training is, <laughs> is basically like public access training. So, you know, taking the dog in public, making sure that he's not trying to sniff everybody or try to, you know, become everyone's best friend, which is hard with a lab because they're super (laughs) friendly. (laughs) Um, And, you know, basic obedience stuff at the start, right? Sit down, all of those things. Um, Learning how some self-control and not letting him just eat whatever is in front of him. But he actually now he's so good at waiting for his food that I can, (laughs) I can tell him leave it and leave the room for like 10 minutes and come back and he's still just staring (laughs) at the food. So (laughs) that's cruel. (laughs) And in terms of the diabetes stuff, so I would collect scent samples from my highs and lows. So basically, you know, if I had a low blood sugar, I would, um, before correcting it, I would take some cut up cloths and an old t-shirt and put them on and put them like directly on my skin in my armpits <laughs> everywhere that you get, you know, kind of sweaty <laughs> and then um, wait five to 10 minutes just to collect that scent. And then I save them in Ziploc bags or glass jars, anything that is airtight. And um, from there you kind of make a positive association for the dog with the smell. So I would also, when I had, you know, a real low or high, I would, get him really close to me and I would blow on him and, you know, wow, super good dog and give him a lot of really good treats just so that they start making that connection. Hey, this smell means I get something really positive. So every time I smell it, I'm going to come over to you and you just kind of build on that. And eventually they figure it out and do it on their own. Is there ever a chance where you could be say, even two or three months into training and the dog isn't responding to how the trainer might want it to. And it's kind of like a lost cause, or is it almost a guarantee that they will learn how to do these sorts of things? Um, so there is no guarantee you can, you know, I mean, Corey took about five months until he did his first alert on his own. And even then, you know, it was one time and we still had to keep working. So, There is no guarantee. Um, You can tell pretty early on if a dog is motivated to work or not. Um, There's, you know, certain characteristics and personality traits that you look for. One of the biggest ones is that they really have to be super food motivated. (laughs) Because if they they don't really care about getting a treat, then they have no motivation to come over to you and let you know that something's wrong. but yeah, it is possible that you can do all of the training and the dog in the end just says, nah, I don't want to work. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So can any breed of dog be an alert dog? Because I, I was I was laughing there when you said they need to be food motivated because <laughs> I have a Cocker Spaniel and she wouldn't strike you as being overly intelligent, but <laughs> she is 
obsessed with food, obsessed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like she has nothing else on her mind 24 seven (laughs) apart from food. So is that a good characteristic for a potential diabetic alert dog? Yes, definitely. I mean, you want that food motivation because that's what's going to get them to be like, hey, you smell weird. Where's my treat? (laughs) Um, But in terms of like any breed, I would say it's you can kind of pick and choose depending on your preference. You know, some people prefer big dogs. Some people prefer small dogs. Um, It really comes more down to that personality and um, if they have those, you know, right qualities that you have to look for. Um, I only don't recommend, you know, any kind of like pug or French bulldog or bulldog because they have those uh, squished noses. So they have a lot more breathing issues and they might just not be able to, you know, smell as well later on in life. So that's just kind of breed wise what I don't recommend going for. Otherwise, I mean, people have chihuahuas who are diabetic alert dogs. So, you know, (laughs) you can really train... um, any dog as long as it has the right temperament and personality. Hmm. So because obviously Corey was learning with you and to a certain extent you were learning with Corey, Mm -hmm. is that where your love for dog training came from initially? Well, I've had dogs since I was a baby. So um, we've always had dogs in the house. I've always loved dogs and um, been a little bit obsessed with dogs, (laughs) to be (laughs) honest. But, um, you know, I never thought in my entire life, like, oh, well, that's a profession that I can pursue for whatever reason. Um, And I actually am a former teacher. (laughs) But I, through working with Corey and with my trainer back in Germany, I was just, you know, I was so inspired seeing what he can do and just like learning more and more about how actually incredibly intelligent dogs are and all of the things that they pick up on and learning about how their minds work and their, their body language and everything. I mean, they're so intelligent and I was, I was so inspired. I was like, all right, I'm getting my training certification and I'm changing my career and I'm going to be a dog trainer now. And specifically too for diabetic alert dogs, just because there is a really big demand for them, but they are super expensive if you go through any kind of um, organization, you know, that can be up to $25,000. So it's a lot of money. (laughs) So I'd love to even just kind of pull back slightly from your life now with Corey and, and look at your life before Corey. Mm-hmm. Because Sam, you were diagnosed with with diabetes at the age of four, yeah. so I'm curious to know how your life was with diabetes growing up, and then at what stage in your life did you feel this is something I think I need? Um, well, I think you know, growing up with diabetes, I don't remember anything before. <laughs> so, um, being four, <laughs> I was really young, um, so it's been my whole life, and. I think my parents did a really great job of helping me learn to be a bit independent with it. Um, And never, you know, a number is just a number. It's not bad if it's low. It's not bad if it's high. It's not, not, nothing bad. It just, it is what it is. And you just deal with it and move on. Um, You know, I don't try to let that change and affect my whole day. If I have, you know, a high blood sugar, I'm like, okay, well, it's high, you know, 
sucks, but let's move on from this. Like, it doesn't have to change my whole mood and make me in a bad mood all day, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up, it was actually, I mean, a challenge, but it was, it was part, it's part of my life. Um, I would say when I went to college and then was really sort of on my own and then not seeing the endocrinologist every three, four months, like you're supposed to, um, and just kind of learning to be really independent, um, lifestyle changes, you know, all of that was when I started having a lot more issues with my diabetes. And then, um, yeah, just being an adult and starting to work full time, having much more stress than you do when you're, you know, living at home and just being a teenager and (laughs) having your parents kind of help you with everything. Um, I don't know, I guess that's sort of when I started having a lot more problems and just having those really, really scary lows a lot. Um, and yeah, then that happened with my, my night times of like almost going into a coma, I feel like from a low and my husband being like, look, we have to do something <laughs> like we need, I can't, you know, what if I leave and you like go back into being really low and, and I, you, you don't get up. And so it was like that really scary, um, I don't know. It's kind of scary. (laughs) We Mm. were basically fighting to stay alive all the time. Um, So that's kind of how, you know, Corey came into the picture just to be an extra security blanket um, and be that extra help for me mainly at night just to get me to wake up and say, Hey, like your meter's beeping mom, something's wrong. (laughs) And he'll, he'll boot me. He'll lick me. He like really knows like something's up and he's, gets me to get up. I mean, it's really hard not to wake up when you have a 65 pound dog licking your face. (laughs) Um, I think that's kind of my life before Corey was a struggle and he's just, he's brought so much joy into my life. I mean, you have a dog, even just regular dogs are just so wonderful. And I don't know, the love that they have for you is unconditional and they just, they just bring joy, which makes me happier, which makes my diabetes better. So it's like a, a circle. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And they are a part of the family, you know, and the fact that they're always in a good mood to, to cheer you up, regardless of how you feel. Yeah. It's always a, a nice go-to on a, a more difficult day. Yes. <laughs> Is Corey specifically trained for you, Sam? Like, let's say, for example, I walked into your house and five minutes later I had a low blood sugar. Would he have any idea that my bloods are low or is it specifically just for your scent? Um, that's a great question. And it's one I get asked all the time. <laughs> um, so he hasn't ever alerted someone else that they're high or low. Um, I, but he has when we were moving back to the States, we were selling our cars and this guy came to look at our car with his girlfriend and um, we were, you know, outside Corey was with us and he started alerting me and I checked my blood sugar and I was like, Hmm, I'm stable. This is very weird. Why are you alerting me? You know, maybe I'm crashing in 20 minutes. And then the girl standing next to me was like, Oh, are you diabetic? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, Oh, me too. Like I'm actually low right now. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) that makes so much sense. (laughs) So he alerted me to her low but he hasn't alerted 
anyone else that they're low. Um, but some dogs have, you know, my roommate in college, her dog would sometimes come up to me and put his paw on my lap and be like, hey, lady, <laughs> something's wrong with you. And um, I'd be like, oh, okay, <laughs> thanks for letting me know. Um, but yeah, so they, I'm sure, you know, they can smell it and they can pick it up on other people. It just depends on the dog, um, what they decide to react to. Yeah, see, I suppose stupid me i was always <laughs> because i know nothing about it i was <laughs> under the impression that they somehow smelt the difference in your blood you know and i know obviously now talking to you it's a stupid thing to think <laughs> but i suppose that's what you're here for to spell all these thoughts and questions but what level do your bloods have to be for Corey to alert you like because in my opinion, Sam, there's a there's a thin line between us being kind of perfectly flat line in range compared mm-hmm. to slightly dipping underneath that graph. So how low or how high do you have to go for Corey to alert you? Um, it's a really good question because it's hard for me to say. So he has told me I've been, you know, like 200 uh, range and he's like, Hey, you're going, you're low. And I'm like, nobody, I'm not low. I'm high. <laughs> and 20 minutes later I was at 80. So oh. it was, you know, the meters are also, you know, they're delayed and all of that stuff, the CGMs. But so it's hard for me to say at what exact level he alerts to, you know, sometimes he'll tell me when I'm right around 100 that I'm low. And I mean, for me, that's already kind of going low just because I have such brittle diabetes as I have now been diagnosed with. (laughs) hate that term, but, um, yeah. So, so, you know, like he'll say, Hey, you're low. And that is a low for me. Um, I would say highs are usually typically around the 180 ish range or above. He'll start telling me, Hey, something's wrong. Um, but I think it just kind of depends on how much of a scent you're <laughs> you're emitting. But I can't tell you because I don't know what it smells like. So. <laughs> yeah, because even thinking about low blood sugars, even though for me, like they're obviously in the same bracket, but I know the difference physically and even just how much I'll sweat mm-hmm. if it's a low blood sugar kind of just dipping underneath the line or I'm crashing big time where you're you feel as if you're on a different planet but how accurate do you feel he is like are you more confident sam with Corey's response compared to what your cgm might be telling you uh yes actually i you know if he tells me something and i scan and my cgm saying i don't know you're 123 stable and he's like no you're going low or you're going high um, I tend to rely more on him <laughs> and then, you know, cause I will scan again and you know, that 15, 20 minutes later, it is like trending upwards or trending downwards. So he really does pick up on those subtle changes and that's where having the CGM is great, but then having him in combination with that, it's just like that extra help that you, that you have to manage this disease, you know? Yeah, and I suppose the fact that he can almost spot those patterns and trends already kind of keeps you ahead of your blood sugar to a certain extent. 
Right. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes. You know. <laughs> so just to go over the differences again, then, Sam, between a high or a low, what what's the difference in how Sam will alert or sorry, Corey will alert you that your bloods are low compared to how you're high? Right. So for a high, he'll um, he'll stare at me really intently and then he'll spin in a circle. Um, sometimes he won't spin just because he thinks he's too big for a space. So I kind of should have probably trained a different alert, but he like loves spinning. Like he gets all excited and jumps and gets really into it. So, um, it's, it's fun for him. Um, but that's how I know. Okay. Probably going high. And then for lows, he'll come and he'll, he'll boot me with his nose, um, pretty aggressively. <laughs> I've seen the videos. Um, it looks sore. <laughs> yeah. People are always asking, are you bruised? I'm like, not yet. Um, <laughs> it's not that intense, but, um, it is pretty hard sometimes. And, you know, the nighttime ones are, you know, you're laying there and you're like half asleep and he'll get you right in the really sensitive spot, like on my <laughs> stomach or something. I'm like, oh, buddy, <laughs> try for my arm next time. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it's like a, a physical alarm clock to wake you up. Mm-hmm. So you then, Sam, kind of taught him how to respond to highs and lows. Could it have been something different to him turning around or could it have been something different to him nudging you with his nose? Yeah. So you, uh, you can, you know, pick your alert, I guess. (laughs) Um, so if you want it to be a paw on your leg, some people there's, uh, you can put your hand out and they'll like nudge it either up or down to tell you that it's going high or low, or, you know, we do the, the nose command. Um, it really depends on what, you prefer as the person, but we also try to focus on things that the dog enjoys doing, right? So if a dog is showing that they really dislike doing a, a nose command, so like the, the booping on the leg, I, I would discourage that from being your alert just because if the dog isn't having fun doing it, then they're not going to want to do it. So you can kind of pick up on their their body language and their attitude towards it when you're training and say, okay, this alert isn't working, but you know, he really loved, you know, spinning in a circle and he gets really excited. So I was like, oh, we'll go with that one. (laughs) (laughs) So does he then keep alerting you until your bloods are back in range? Because the videos that I've seen, as you said, when he's alerting you about a low blood sugar, it actually looks kind of sore how he's almost headbutting you. (laughs) And uh, does he then stop when you acknowledge the fact that he has alerted you or does he just keep bumping you? until your bloods are physically back in range? No. So I, I will tell him, um, stop. I have a stop command because <laughs> I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't need him to keep booping me when I know something's wrong. Um, after he initially alerts and I always have people train a stop command just because, you know, some days you are trending low all day or trending high all day. And for the dog to have to keep, you know, every. 20 minutes, half an hour to come and be like, Hey, you're still high. You're still low. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's also stressful for them. So, you know, someday, sometimes I will just tell him like, stop. Or I say, I say, end (laughs) it. It's my German commands come through. Um, (laughs) just so that he knows, okay, like you do know something's wrong, but I don't have to tell you every 
20, 30 minutes that you're still high, you know. You mentioned, Sam, that you had dogs kind of throughout your whole life and you, you, you're obviously a, a massive fan of dogs and love having them. <laughs> and Corey is the first alert dog that you've had, obviously. But how do you feel your relationship with Corey differs to your relationship with any of your previous dogs? I mean, we just have a, such a stronger bond than, you know, than any other dog I've had before. I mean, he's most, you know, your pet dog you can't take with you to the supermarket or <laughs> or to the doctor's office. So, you know, he's with me pretty much 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And um, I don't know, he's like my, my best friend, my child, <laughs> kind of a combination like we're just so in tune with each other. And I think part of that is to having him from so young and also training him myself to do all of these things. We just have such a stronger bond. You know, if you train your own dog, that training process is a way for you guys to make a connection and grow your like relationship. And um, we just, I don't know, like I can tell exactly what he's thinking pretty much all of the time. And he, he can read me too. You know, if I have a bad day where I'm like sad or whatever, he also, he picks up on that and he'll just come and <laughs> throw himself on my lap. Mm. Um, just so, you know, he's like, Hey mom, I know you're kind of feeling a little sad today. Like here I am, pet me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's something he just kind of does intuitively. It's not something that I trained him to do. So yeah, I think it's just, we're just really bonded and, other dogs are I have had or have been wonderful and I, I love all my dogs, but this is just a connection that I've never had before and that I think is so special. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question. Do you feel Corey can tell if your emotion or your mood changes because you obviously spend so much time together, as you say, 24 hours a day? I mean, all dogs can pick up on our, our moods and our you know, our feelings, they're very, dogs rely mainly on body language as communication. So, you know, they can understand our words, some of <laughs> some of them, but they mainly pick up on, you know, how are you sitting? How are you standing? Um, and there's something about, you know, our, our pheromones that are released and our, that they can smell as well with, when it comes to feelings and emotions. So they're very, very in tune to us. And um <laughs> Some dogs will just naturally be like, oh, okay, you're sad. Like, I'm right here. Um, pet me. And you can actually train, you know, for anxiety alerts and things like that. You can train dogs to come when they they see a certain, you know, if you're biting your nails every time you're anxious, that can be the cue for the dog to come over and do, like, deep pressure therapy. So they're really, really in tune to us in our, in our body language and our moods. Do you think every dog has the potential or the capability to be this type of alert dog, whether it be, as you say, for anxiety, whether it be for diabetes or blood sugar, do you think all dogs have that level of intelligence to be able to be trained like that? People like to think so, but <laughs> you know, I have people reach out to me, I want to train my dog. And then I have my, you know, list of evaluations and assessments and I'm like unfortunately I'm sorry like but but they're really good at this they're really good I'm like yes I understand that and I know like you want this but 
<laughs> the chances of success aren't always there. Um, you know, so dogs, not all dogs have this ability, which is why it is such a lengthy process for training. And, you know, you really have to make sure that the dog is motivated to do those things and is intelligent enough to continue doing those things. Um, some dogs, you know, just don't have what it takes and that's okay. You know, not every human is made to be a doctor and not every dog is made to be a service dog. It's it's the same thing. You know, we all have our strengths. We just have to find them. (laughs) That was part one of my chat with Sam Stocking. As you know, if you're listening on the day of the release, part two will be out tomorrow. But if you're listening on any other day that hasn't been the exact release date, part two is going to be the next episode on our list. So enjoy that one and thanks for listening to part one.